Welcome to the Cheyenne Vineyard Podcast, bringing you a message of hope for your everyday world. If you'd like to contact us, contact us at info at CheyenneVineyard.com. You can also find out more information about the Cheyenne Vineyard Church at CheyenneVineyard.com. Thank you and enjoy today's podcast. Father, we pray right now to you, God. We pray, God, for our our spiritual brother and sister, Pastor Jay and Pastor Joy. Father, that you would be with them, that you would show them exciting, new, hidden, glorious things, that you would refresh them and strengthen them Keep them safe. Show them what your plan is, God, for Cheyenne Vineyard. Father, open our eyes here. Let us hear those same things that there would be agreement echoing over and over and over again. Put in us, God, a sense of urgency. Let us hear you. Let us, let us just dwell in your presence, not just now, but every minute of every day, of every hour. Speak to us, Father. Speak to us truth, God, that, that will stick with us. Not stuff that will fall immediately outside the front door, but that will stick with us. Father, we love you. Jesus, we thank you for your sacrifice. And it is in your name we pray. Amen. Wow. We serve a wow God. And I've said it before, that's wow backwards. Never changes. It's always wow. We've been a lot of places in the last few weeks. We started out July with an urgent call to prayer. And some of you know that the International House of Prayer in Kansas City hosted some solemn assemblies. And some of us were able to to get on our faces. I, I pray that God is peeling things away from each and every one of you like like I know he is for me and my family. And I pray that for each and every one of you because it is wonderful. It, It hurts like crazy, but it is wonderful. We're praying about hosting our own solemn assembly. So please join us as we pray for that. That God willing, we would be an example in this city and host a solemn assembly to repent and cry out for not only this city, but this state and this nation. Pastor Jay has been talking a lot about us being a people of his presence. 
I spent a lot of time this week asking God what, if anything, he wanted to say to you. Because if I had my way, I would not teach. I don't want to teach. I want God to teach. And he kept giving me the word urgency. And Isaiah, it says, and your ears shall hear a word behind you saying, this is the way, walk in it when you turn to the right and when you turn to the left. Do you know what urgency is? It's calling for or demanding immediate attention. On the day of Pentecost, Peter called for immediate action and attention. In Acts 2, now when they heard this, they were cut to the heart and said to Peter and the rest of the apostles, Brothers, what shall we do? And Peter said to them, Repent and be baptized, every one of you, in the name of Jesus Christ, for the forgiveness of your sins, and you will receive the gift of the Holy Spirit. Okay, now what part of that do you not hear urgency in? They were cut to the heart. And Peter said, Repent and be baptized, every one of you. Does it sound like he's saying, now if you think it would work out for you, I suggest that you repent and that you be baptized. No. In the name of Jesus Christ for the forgiveness of your sins and you will receive the gift of the Holy Spirit. Paul preached with urgency in 2 Corinthians 6. For he says, in a favorable time, I listened to you, and in a day of salvation, I have helped you. Behold, now is the favorable time. Behold, now is the day of salvation. I think two beholds should get our attention a little more than one behold. 2 Corinthians 5.20, therefore we are ambassadors of Christ. God making his appeal through us. We implore you on behalf of Christ, be reconciled to God. We implore you. We are begging you because you need to be reconciled to God. Then later in 2 Corinthians, Paul says that we all must appear before the judgment seat of Christ. Since then, we know what it is to fear the Lord. We try to persuade men. We know What the fear of the Lord is. In 2 Timothy, Paul again says, Preach the word, for the time will come when men will not put up with sound doctrine. George Whitfield was a powerful pastor in the 1700s. His teachings and preachings moved thousands of people, both in England and America. And he often wept during his teachings. When asked why, he said, You blame me for weeping. But how can I help it when you will not weep for yourselves? Your immortal souls are on the verge of destruction. And for you ought to know, you are hearing your last sermon and may never more have an opportunity to have Christ offered to you. I read a letter that was written by Leonard Ravenhill a couple weeks ago, and he had the same message. We've stopped weeping. We've quit weeping. I heard a prominent retired pastor of Cheyenne come before a group of pastors and say, you know, what happened to us leaders? 
Have we stopped weeping for our sheep? Have we stopped falling on our faces and crying out for the people who are under our care? Brothers and sisters, to whom much is given, much is required. We've been given everything in the salvation by the blood of Jesus Christ, our Lord. We keep hearing from the Holy Spirit. We keep hearing from anointed teachers. We have an anointed teacher in Pastor Jay. And they have been reminding us of the times we are in. They are reminding us that now is the time for us to make ourselves ready as the bride of Christ. Not tomorrow. Not the day after. Today. Now. Now is the time to prepare. We have a responsibility to do that. An exciting, extravagant, enticing responsibility. Our salvation ensures that we have eternity in Christ as his bride. But I praise God that he is revealing things to me and to others. And you know what? What we are doing right now is our purpose for all eternity. We can't take that lightly. We can't sit back and wait for what's going to happen. We must be on the attack. We must be on the offensive in Jesus Christ. So that we, the bride, can be made ready and complete. The longer we wait for that to happen, the longer we wait to do something about that. The more chance we have of when that door opens. We don't get to sit at the table with the overcomers. And it says in the Bible, the overcomers will be at the pillars at the table. I'm not, I'm not sitting back. God has been dealing with a lot of us lately. Amen? So I take it all of you have been dealt with lately. It's a good thing. It's a fiery thing. There are some exciting teachings that a lot of us have been listening to by Terry Bennett. Uh, he is a prophet of the Lord. He is a man who uh, is not making any excuses anymore. And he's done a series that you can listen to on the Internet called Why We Fight. And he keeps saying over and over that, that the measure of Christ in us is equal to the measure of Christ in that leaves us. I thought about that a lot in the last couple weeks, and you know what? I am to the point where I am sick and tired of me being a, a two-hour Jesus Christian. It's time for us to become 24 hours a day, seven day a week, Jesus Christians, Christ followers. God radically changed my life 
oh boy, I, I can't even keep track of the years or the time. But there was a time when he said, you know what? It's okay to be radical for me. And at that time, I was working in a state agency that was arguably one of the most liberal agencies in the state. And God kept telling me, it's okay to be a radical for me. It's okay for you to do things to my glory there in that building. And I began stepping out on a, on a limb, or what I thought was a limb, and it was actually very secure concrete. <laughs> my fat, short self could have jumped up and down on that stuff, and there wouldn't have been a crack or a budge. But he taught me that I could be radical in the presence of non-believers, and things would change, and things did change. I have a couple of questions. Are we ready to stop having only a couple hours worth of Christ in us a week? Are we prepared to pay the price and lay everything down in full obedience to God? And there is a price to pay. There is a cost. <laughs> I don't... I don't believe for a second that there is not a huge cost in this. For us to lay everything down at God's feet and say, I am here, God, and I am totally obedient to what you want. I will search out your truths, God, according to your word. According to Romans where it says, I appeal to you, brothers, by the mercies of God. To present your bodies as a living sacrifice. A holy and acceptable sacrifice. That is your spiritual worship. I believe that tells us that is one of the most powerful places to be worshipful. Turning over our bodies to him. We can't be fitted to the world any longer. We cannot form fit to this world any longer, folks, because the world's taking advantage of us. The world is trying to kill us. And I'll be honest with you, every time I speak that up, it drives my mother crazy. But it's the truth. <laughs> Everything we do right now has eternal consequences. I'm urging each and every one of us to no longer be in by the skin. Okay? How many believers do we talk to, though? Boy, I hope I go to heaven. I hope I, hope I get into heaven. And they act and they live like it's just going to be by the hair on their chinny, chin, chin. <laughs> or the skin of their teeth. I don't want to be in by the skin. I want, I want the world to see, feel, smell, hear the essence of Jesus pouring out of me at all times. And that changes you. There, there was a book that C.S. Lewis wrote uh, called Noonday Devil. 
And it's about three devils. Part of a book talks about three devils sitting around and chatting about how they can best win souls for, for Beelzebub. The first devil says, we must convince everybody in the world that there is no God. And the second devil said, no, 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 no. We must convince everyone in this world that there is no heaven. And the third devil said, no, no, you're both all wrong. All we have to do to win everybody to Satan is to convince everyone in the world that there is no hurry. We're in urgent times, folks. That doesn't make us overlook anything. Doesn't necessarily make us speed up, but it does build the tension, the battle tension. In 1 Peter 4, it says, Since therefore Christ suffered in the flesh, arm yourselves with the same way of thinking. For whoever has suffered in the flesh has ceased from sin so as to live for the rest of the time in the flesh, no longer for human passions, but for the will of God. For the time that is past suffices for doing what the Gentiles want to do, living in sensuality, passions, drunkenness, orgies, drinking parties, and lawless idolatry. With respect to this, they are surprised when you do not join them in the same flood of debauchery, and they malign you. But they will give account to him who is ready to judge the living and the dead. For this is why the gospel was preached, even to those who are dead, that though judged in the flesh the way people are, they might live in the spirit the way God does. The end of all things is at hand. Therefore, be self-controlled and sober-minded for the sake of your prayers. Above all else, keeping loving one another earnestly, since love covers a multitude of sins. Beloved, do not be surprised at the fiery trial when it comes upon you to test you, as though something strange were happening to you. But rejoice insofar as you share Christ's sufferings, that you may also rejoice and be glad when his glory is revealed. There is scripture after scripture about testing and fire and glory revealed. Now is the time. 2 Timothy 4.1 says, I charge you in the presence of God and of Christ Jesus, who is to judge the living and the dead. And by his appearing in his kingdom, preach the word. Be ready in season and out of season. Reprove, rebuke, and exhort with complete patience and teaching. We are, be, we are to be ready any day of the year, no matter what season it is. And we are in a season right now that commands us to move, to take action. Verse after verse, Romans 10 how then will they call on him in whom they have not believed? And how are they to believe in him of whom they have never heard? And how are they to hear without someone preaching? And how are they to preach unless they are sent? As it is written, how beautiful are the feet of those who preach the good news. It's not our tongues that are beautiful. It's not our mouths that are beautiful. It's not the words that we use. It's the truth that comes from us, and it is our feet who get us out there into the world. 
I pray. I pray, and yes, I weep. I weep that we would realize the sense of urgency that we're living in. Luke 8, it said, And as far what fell among the thorns, they are those who hear, but as they go on their way, they are choked by the cares and riches and pleasures of life, and their fruit does not mature. We've got to armor up. This is not some mamby-pamby little skirmish we're in. Yes, I do get to steal material from my 11 and 12-year-olds. We are priests. We, we were promised as priests, a priesthood. That's at the top. Too many times we're lulled into thinking we're at the bottom of the food chain. We are at the top of the food chain. And we've got to learn to say, yes, God, I'm going to do it. I'm going to step either inside the door of that building and I'm going to yell, praise you, Lord. I'm going to want my colleagues to see me on my knees or on my face in my office. They can think what they want, but I know, God, that your Holy Spirit will move in that place. No, world. I am not going to let you tell me something that I am something I am not. I am not going to believe the lie that I am poor. I am not going to believe the lie that I am disabled. I am not going to believe the lie that I am sick and diseased. I am not going to believe the lie that I am lost to the point where no one can find me. I am going to believe the truth. I am going to stand on the promises that were given to me. I am going to believe that, that I have a beautiful Holy Spirit inside of me provided through the death of the incredible, beautiful, glorious Jesus Christ given by a God who is bountiful. God is a God of riches, not poverty. God is a God of hard work. God is a God of abilities, not disabilities. God is a God of natural and supernatural healing. And because God is a God who gives abundantly, he is teaching me how to give abundantly. There is a lot of suffering going on in the world right now. There is a lot of suffering going on in this room right now. And I believe if we were to track each and every one of you as you go out, you'd see the tentacles of, of suffering go out even farther. And there is something else that is the big 800-pound gorilla in the room. That's the fact that we're as a body of Christ, we're starting to believe 
sick doctrines, sick teachings. Do you see it? Do you realize it, that, that there are divisions among the body of Christ, and, and that division is a wall that is growing? It's lies. It's deception based on the way we want to feel. We don't get a choice on how we feel. We put it all in God's hands and he takes care of business. I came across seven characteristics that set true Christ followers apart from those who are only true in appearance. The first characteristic is we accept suffering. We know that it is a part of, of the existence. For, it is a part of the life. I don't know of anyone yet that I've come across or been in contact with who has not had some form of suffering in their life or will not have some form of suffering in their life. We accept suffering, but we do not let it defeat us. We accept the inevitability of death. I'm excited to go. <laughs> I am excited to go. I will fight with every bit of my last ounce of whatever God gives me, though. If we are true Christ followers, we have daily appointments with God. And they're not in 15-minute intervals. And when we have those appointments with God, we listen more than we talk. We limit our daily distractions between us and God. We submit discernment to others. And we offer God our complete, unhesitating obedience. If you can put all of those things into your life and practice them hardcore, there will be sacrifices that must be made. I, I can jump up and down before you here today to say that they're great. Those sacrifices, when made fully, are liberating. We've been given wisdom, folks. We've been given wisdom on how to live our lives. I praise God every day for the wisdom that we've been filling our minds about uh, diet and eating and how that radically heals and prevents sickness. I've, I've said it before, I used to be a sick man in a lot of ways. But I used to be physically sick a lot of the year. And since God has provided revelation, diet, 
natural supplements, being active, looking to him in all ways. I praise God that I have not been sick in about three years. That is God revealing things to us. But if he's going to reveal those exciting things to us, we've got to listen and abide by them. When you give away the things of the world, God is so incredible to be faithful and rewarding, to put incredible and meaningful things in their place. I used to think it was pretty cool to jump up and down and cheer on the Denver Broncos with my girls on Sunday afternoon. I'd spend a lot of time as a commissioner of a fantasy football league. I stepped back, you know, I, I heard God saying these last few years, Randy, you're wasting a lot of your time. And then this past year, he started convincing me that, that yes, the NFL is a dark entity. <laughs> and all those idols I had propped up in my lifetime throughout those years should probably be people that I pray for, that I get on my knees and pray for. And so I, I let some guys know from across this country, you know, I'm not in this anymore, folks. This just is not important. And frankly, it's probably been detrimental to my existence with my family, my church fellowship, or anybody else who may just be in need of some encouragement, some hope. So I let the guys know, you know, I'm out. Can't do this anymore. There is something bigger and better and stronger and faster out there than football. <laughs> And you'd have think, you'd have thought, uh, you'd have thunk that a member of their family had died. And I'm here to say, yeah, a member of their family did die. You know, we have time to make sacrifices. It took Noah 120 years to build the ark. I'm not sure we have 120 years left in these end times that we're pretty convinced we're in. But one more day, one more hour, one more minute, I've got that. Why do, you th why, do you, why do you think Jesus spent so much time talking about the lost? I mean, he told a story about lost sheep, lost coin, lost son. There are a few different ways we can get lost, but the story is the same. The end is the same. We've got to let Jesus find us right now. We've got to let God say, hey, hey, McFly. Do you get it? Are you taking things out of your lives? Are you pushing things that are not God out of your lives? There's heartache. There's difficulty. The word decision means cut in half, cut off, sacrifice. Are there marriages having troubles? 
out here? Are there individuals having troubles? Are some of you sick, hurting? The answer is to push the world away and embrace God. But then, you know, I walked into the room. I walked into the room last night, and then I hear Terry Bennett say, Yeah, but everybody, everybody sitting out there is going, What's in it for me? What's in it for me? We already have what's in it for us. I used to be addicted to singing and shouting and doing crazy things for people in front of people. I don't, I don't want to do that. I want to do only what God wants me to do. You know, the people I meet on the streets, it, it seems like they're becoming more and more distant. When I approach them and want to pray for them, there's a, there's a lot more no thank yous than there ever were. And I praise God that he said, you know what, Randy, just say, God bless you. And so I'm finding that as I meet people who have a look on their face that says, I hurt, I hurt, I hurt, I just say, God bless you on this beautiful day. And about five out of six fall over. But I see their continents change. I see something Light them up just a bit. It's not in it for me. You know, we talk to people, we encourage people all week long. And I go home and I pray and I pray and I pray and I weep and I weep and I just say, God, let them know that it's not about them. They're rubbing shoulders with somebody who's lost tomorrow. It's about them. I read a story about a world-class athlete who was getting ready in 1968 and 69 to, to probably shatter the world record for pole, pole vaulting. And one afternoon, he was practicing. He was a world-class gymnast also. He was practicing on a trampoline, and he landed on his head. And he never walked again. He was paralyzed from the neck down. And I read the account of a man who was at a Christian conference where this man came to speak. And the first few nights of this conference, he could not even come speak to the people because he was in such pain and agony. But then the final night of the conference, he, he, he said, you know, I've got, to, I've got to say this to the people. So they wheeled him out. And about all he could muster with the air, with the breathing, with everything that was, he was still adjusting to, about all he could get out was, don't feel bad for me. It took this. It took me being here in this condition to realize Jesus loves me. And if this had not happened to me, 
I cannot say that I would have found the most glorious and wonderful thing to happen to me in my entire life. I read more about this young man. His name was Brian Sternberg. And I read this morning that he passed away last year. Year after year after year, people said, he's going to die this year. And he lived for five decades in that condition. Because he had a message he needed to relate to the people. I pray that it doesn't get that harsh for any of us. But I pray and I weep that we would be able to stand in front of others and say, you know what? Don't feel bad for me. There ain't nothing in my life you need to feel bad for. Because I live in the one true God. And his son Jesus gave everything for me. Be transformed. It all starts right here. I went to the retirement party this week of my supervisor at the Arts Council. And I don't think she could handle it. I think, according to her, she just said, I, I couldn't fight the battle anymore. I'm not sure. I am learning to not assume where God wants to take us, what God wants to do with us. And I think that urgency was the, the theme that he wanted me to relay today. We can get out of the spirits of ugliness that we're in. We can do that with Jesus. I felt like earlier today that, that I was sensing that there was someone depressed in here. Don't leave here. We will have prayer teams. There will be someone who can speak hope and encouragement into your depression and to help you rise above it. We are going to have our carry-in. There's food out there. Join us. Don't leave. Fellowship is crucial. Continue to pray for Pastor Jay and Joy that the, the future of this fellowship would become clear to us, that recharging would take place. I'm not going to make any promises, but I think that maybe God is, is hinting that next week he would like me to share practical things to use in your office, to use in a crowded room, 
to use as you walk the streets of Cheyenne, to use when you're fellowshipping with family who, who think you're bonkers for your fanatical view of God and how much you love Jesus. Because there are practical things. But the most practical thing is to listen. God wants to declare his truth in this time. He wants to do it through you. Your pastors, your ministers, your carriers of the word. And if you don't do it, there's a wall that's going to continue to grow. And there's a pandemic that's going to spread around this world that is a million times worse than Ebola. So don't worry about those things. God, what is it that you want me to spread this week? What part of your truth and your love and your excitement and your encouragement and your hope? It's all there, even in the suffering. I know, you're sitting there, yeah, it's easy for him to say. Hey, I've had nine surgeries in my life. On any given day, something hurts. But I, I don't live in that. That's not what defines me. And praise God, he's even given me a little hop in my step lately that's, that's allowing me to work out more and to, to know that he's getting me into battle shape. He wants us all in battle condition for the war. Hey, big war going on. We got to focus on him battle by battle by battle. So be blessed today. Remember the urgency of, of the time. Try to increase your, your Jesus time so that you're not a two-hour-a-week Christ follower. get to the point where in all things and in all ways we look to him and we listen for him and we step according to his ways and we are obedient completely obedient joy there will be joy for those of you who are in depression there will be joy that takes over that depression what's it you know, it, I, I used to think it was crazy when people said, what a, what a scintillating time we live in. Doesn't this time just charge you up, these times? Aren't you just excited by what's ahead? And I hear people that say, you know, I think, I think, I think I'll just get under here till it's all over. That's not what we're called to do. We are called to boldly go where the wimps are afraid to go. Be blessed today. Get prayer. Get food. In Jesus' name, bless you, keep you safe, help you to increase his time this week. 
Help you to increase in obedience. Help us, God, to see what it is you would have us do, to be what it is you would have us to be, to rise up above the lies and the deception that is knocking people down in this country, around this world. God, let us be your children. Let us walk in your ways, Lord, according to your truths. In Jesus' name we pray, and we praise you. Amen.